Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Patience might be a virtue, but not if you're Michael Bidwill and not if you're evaluating the 2022 Arizona Cardinals. And that is because waiting could be disastrous to the short-term future of this football team. And I'm talking about waiting for the GM to get healthy. I'm talking about waiting on switching out head coaches until Kyler Murray comes back from his knee injury. And I'm talking about writing off this disastrous season to bad luck and bad breaks and endless distractions that have marked the the past 10 months because in my opinion what we're seeing now is what we've been seeing for the past three years a team with a flawed hierarchy and a weak chain of command where the GM has too much power including the power to hire assistant coaches where the head coach has been more like a glorified offensive coordinator where there just isn't a strong voice of authority at the top that can instill fear and real accountability and guide a team out of darkness when things are going bad. The Cardinals collapsed in 2020 with a playoff berth on the line, and they purposely added veteran leadership to the room to compensate, and they collapsed yet again. And near the end of year four, this team is still making stupid mental errors, and the head coach is still begging his players to be accountable to the process and their teammates. So if I were the owner, that would tell me something. Namely, it's time for a new culture and a new leadership team at the top. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I'll be the first one to say I made some calls, all right? But the basic that we know how to do, it means a lot in these games. It's hard to overcome, and it continues to happen. It's getting it right in practice and holding each other accountable. All right, I treat you like men. That's how it's going to be. That may be a fault of mine, but I'm going to treat you like men. So we got to hold each other accountable somehow the last month because we're better than that. Everybody understand that? Like, that's it. We're better than that. And that's all I want to see for this group for last month. Play your best football. Because I love being around you guys. I love coming to work every day with you. You practice hard. You fight your ass off for each other. But we have to do it right because we're giving away. Y'all get a break. That was Cliff Kingsbury uh, from uh, this past week's episode. Yeah, sounding like of a young Knox. red fox there, Vinny. <laughs> We all understand Jared, that reference. Jared, Jared, no, he has to explain himself because he explained the reference off the air to me, and well, it, now it makes more sense. Okay. Specifically, the the DeAndre Ayton quote reminded me of a famous story about Red Fox, the old you know comedian from Sanford and Son. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was doing a stand up. Uh, I think it was in Vegas. And they, it was late at night, and there was only five people in the crowd. So they introduced him, ladies and gentlemen, Red Fox, and they played the Sanford and Son music. And he walks out, he pauses for a second, he looks at the audience and he goes, Five people? I ain't doing no show for blanking five people. And then he walks off the stage and they play the Sanford and Son music again. I don't know. So it reminded me of DeAndre Ayton's quote. See, now it's brilliant. I am still just astounded that you're dropping red fox well, references. What year did that happen in? What uh, decade oh, did that happen? God, 50 years ago, probably. You have any Bob Hope stories you want to tell me? Uh, Thanks for I'll the memory. It's weird, wild. I did play a Bob Hope <laughs> song. I think that was the one when Bigley was out first mustache. 
Yeah, Jared operates differently when yeah. you're gone. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> I played a Bob Hope mustache. Like, let's do all mustache. the stuff that Bickley hates while he's gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> we drafted food when you were gone for Mock My World. That's true. That was the biggest victory of Jared's week. Yeah. Big wow. Song. We're drafting food. Wow. All right, so That's now you got great. a little background. All right, so maybe, what? Maybe it doesn't explain the Yeah, reference. no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But... <laughs> But again, when you listen, when you listen to that Cliff Kingsbury cut, you you hear you hear a, you hear a little bit of desperation. You hear a lot of cuss words, but you but you hear once again a head coach telling players to be accountable for mistakes that keep happening over and over and over again. And again, it's it's back to this conversation we had earlier in the day, and that is um, to self starters and people who are highly motivated without having to be motivated by others. And I'm talking about guys like Buddha Baker and Ron Wolfley and others who believe it's ridiculous that a head coach needs to be um, a strong personality. Most football players aren't built like the extreme achievers, in my opinion. And so, so I think that I, I, and I know this for a fact. When it, when things are going bad for a football team, the head coach has got to be he's got to be the guy. He's, his voice has got to bring a team and lift a team out of darkness. I, you, you've got to have that element, and we do not have that here. And it's you, you can get by, as you said yesterday. Everything is great about Cliff Kingsbury when you're winning, and and you won't find anybody in the locker room who doesn't like Cliff because they do appreciate the loose reins, the easy. Easy breezy, the coach bro, they they love that kind of stuff. I mean, do you know how great it is for a football player to go, oh, coach is cutting a half hour off practice today? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't we don't have to practice if we don't feel good? Oh. Coach is canceling a, 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 a an intra-scrimmage with the, with the Titans so we can go hang out in Nashville. That's awesome. But it's not necessarily what football players need, and that's that's the art of the job, in my opinion. So to me, there's a, there's a lot of stuff right now that's swirling around this football team, and, and I'm sure there's a temptation to say, okay, you know what? This is too much. We're just going to have to run this back next year, recoup, recover, and when the quarterback gets back, we'll reevaluate who we are and what we are that would be dangerous would be very dangerous because i mean the, the these red flags have been up for quite some time with this with this regime as it stands right now we can go back to the offseason um you know the big splashy move was on draft night trading the first round pick for hollywood brown <clears throat> a move that we were both in favor of in, in real time and i think hollywood brown's been decent this year <clears throat> But that, to me, kind of teased what was going to be an aggressive free agency period. Well, free agency started before that, but mm-hmm. they were not aggressive in free agency. We didn't really get anything in terms of, you know, Steve Kime's trademark for years in, in the preseason was the Kime time sign. Getting one of those free agents who was still available that came in and was able to impact. Now, granted, that was more prevalent at the beginning of his tenure as the GM, uh, but you know, how many people were begging for, hey, they need help at the cornerback spot? When's that going to happen? We had the daily conversations and, and went out and traded for Trayvon Mullen, a trade that didn't work out, and he's no longer a member of the team, and they gave up a seventh-round draft pick. You know, how many times were uh, you know people talking about, hey, they need an edge rusher? Go out and see if you can get an edge rusher. It didn't happen. So you're right. Yeah. I mean, this has been this has been a season-long um Misfire, yeah, from, from everybody involved. And if you need uh, a real good reminder of it, I'm going to point you to Bix column on ArizonaSports.com as he lays it all out there. This series of unfortunate events that's happened, and and it's not that the cruel part about it. This isn't over yet. No, there's four no, weeks. You're right. 
And, you know, the best case scenario is the four weeks happen, regardless of wins and losses, without any more incident. This team has been just crippled by incident this yeah, year. By incident, that's a g- great way of putting it. So, so to me, it, it's yeah, there's a lot of stuff swirling, but it's also an opportunity to to kind of address some things and try to build a, a a franchise that is is just better. Like look at look at the pairing of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and and how and how complementary they are of one another. Mm-hmm. Look at the football team they've built. Look at what the Seahawks have been able to do without Russell Wilson, and and they're kind of chipping off now. But they've been they've been quite the overachievers this year. I I, I just think that this has been going on so long that the idea of waiting and running this back one more time and hoping that you get it right, and then let's 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 kick this can down the road and and we'll deal with this later. It, it's already been a festering issue. The the, the close of the season in twenty twenty was one of the most unbecoming things I've ever seen. The team rebounded and were great front runners, mm-hmm. and then they collapsed again the following season, and then they decided to run it back without really the same team. And, and what we have right now is what we have. And it's... it. it, it, it Nobody can say honestly that this is all that much of a surprise based on the way this football team looked at the end of last year and based on the lack of additions talent-wise, to the football team since. Yeah, I mean, every, when you consider everything that we just talked about, the Arizona Cardinals right now seem like a team that is ripe for top-to-bottom change, but I'm I, I, I'm not convinced it's going to happen. Uh, either am I. Either am I. And, and it's, it's, it's that, to me, I think it, that's where it gets dangerous because I think a lot of football fans, Cardinal fans, are fearing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Devin Booker return. Suns needed a win. They got a win. And they got a big one against the Pelicans tomorrow night. We'll get into some Suns talk straight ahead on this Friday. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. It's Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You missed a couple of games. I thought you had great energy uh, defensively. That whole, that first group was locked in. The second group came in and they were locked in. Uh, and, you know, he didn't make the shots that he's coming to make them, but his energy and focus on the defensive side was, was there. I like the shots he took. He just missed them. You know, he's due for one of those explosions. And, um, when he's playing that hard and, and defending the way uh, he and the first did in the, in the first half is contagious, and uh, I thought he took the lead tonight as far as playing the kind of defense that we're accustomed to. That is Monty Williams talking about Devin Booker, his return to the court last night. Book missed two games with that hamstring tightness, came back for the Suns, who were not at full strength uh, without DeAndre Ayton, without Cam Payne, of course still without Cam Johnson, but they beat the very depleted, uh, by their own doing, LA Clippers, mm. 111-95, and there's two ways to look at Devin Booker's uh, performance last night. One way is the positive way to look at uh, what he did defensively. And we've talked uh, on numerous occasions, Bick, about Devin Booker's continued climb on the defensive end. He is not just an average defensive player now. He's a guy who takes pride in his defense. Uh, is making a lot of things happen on that end. Um and maybe it's a little bit panicky because it was his first game back. I am a little mm-hmm. bit concerned about Devin Booker's shooting. 
Um, now, there's probably some rust there, but it's weird. And we've talked about this, too. Devin Booker went through a three-game stretch where it looked like he couldn't miss. I know. Like he's never going to miss another shot right. in the history of his career. Right. Obviously not sustainable. No. But since that three-game stretch in the five games that Devin Booker has played, he's shooting 33% from yeah. the floor. I, 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 don't know. I don't know if I'm concerned about it. I think it was, a, uh, I think it was sort of um, a confluence of issues that kind of led that to, to Devin Booker. I think mm-hmm. his usage was getting crazy in yes. terms of minutes played. So I, maybe, maybe his legs were feeling it, and maybe his legs were feeling it to the point where that's kind of what made him maybe. develop the hamstring issue. And then yesterday was probably more rust than anything else. Um, I, I think I think what the Suns did last night was smart because the Clippers basically handed the Suns the game by not playing anybody at all. And but the Suns took it from the team that was in front of them. They did that by by defense. They uh, their their contests were really good. Their rotation was good. They they were in they were into the game defensively because they were sick of losing basketball games. And yes, that, I hope that reminded them that that. Defense Defense can take them a long way. Well, you hit on something, too, that I think has been an issue for the Suns, not just this year, but even last year when they were so successful in the regular season. When those situations arose where you're playing an opponent and they're giving a bunch of guys the night off, the Suns, whatever collection of players they had available, tended to play down to their competition. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen last night. They asserted themselves early. They really gave that group of Clippers, um, you know, no hope that they were going to come back. Now, the Clippers, to their credit, continued to play hard and they got it to within, you know, I won't even say an uncomfortable range, but when you're up by 30 and that score gets down to about, that lead gets down to 16, maybe you get a little tense in today's NBA. But they they really didn't give much hope after the first half of that game. No, which which is, I think, a good sign moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's interesting to me. I don't know if you know about this. I'm sure you do. But the Clippers' new arena is going to be ridiculous. Have you read what this is going to be uh-huh. all about? Yeah. They're going to have basically a, a wall of fans behind the visiting bench. Mm-hmm. It's the, the the way they're going to build this arena, there's going to be just sort of like a Roman Coliseum feel in the building right behind the visitor's bench. Well, now, I mean, that's a great idea. But now they just have to... Find Clippers fans. <laughs> Who are you and, pay? And, and I bring this up because I, I do think that I, I do think playing in L.A. certainly it, it didn't bring out the best in Devin Booker last night. No. But it usually does. And playing in L.A. always brings out the best in Chris Paul. And I think that Chris was very efficient last night. Um, I know he had 13 assists. I think did he have one turnover? One turnover. Two, yeah. Okay, so he was very efficient last night. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was I think it was a good step. And what I think the real test is tomorrow night. And I'm really looking forward to this game against the Pelicans because even though all the heat seems to have simmered from the Zion Williamson uh, code-busting dunk at the end of that game, uh, they they, kind of took it to the Suns a little bit. And I'm curious to see what kind of energy the Suns bring to that game tomorrow night. They kind of took it to the Suns, and they really kind of gloated about taking it to the Suns because of what the Suns did to them last year. Yeah. And a lot of people after those two games last weekend, Bick, kept talking about, wow, this is the new rivalry. That's how rivalries are built. Um, and when you had, you know, Monty Williams and, and Willie Green jawing about things uh, mm-hmm. on the court after that game, maybe that's the case. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans, when they're right, they're scary. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, Z- you're right Zion about that. has been, when he's played this year, and to his credit, he hasn't missed as many games as he had in the past, and coming back from missing a whole season, he's unstoppable. He you is. Can, you can, he scores at least 20 points every game, but you know, back-to-back 35-point games against the Suns last weekend. So uh, if he's out there, you got trouble. Yeah. Then you have the whole Jose Alvarado, Chris Paul beef, which mm-hmm. is continuing to fester. Uh-huh. It, I, I'm, I'm tending to this, agree that this is going to be fun. Earlier in the year, we were saying Suns Mavericks is the new rivalry. It might be Suns Pelicans. Maybe, maybe. And listen, so I did the Western Conference is it's this is kind of it's interesting to me because if for those who don't know, the Memphis Grizzlies can be scary good. They were scary good last night. Yes. They were leading the Bucks. The Bucks by fifty. At one point last night. I'm glad you brought this up because, again, if you're a fan of a team, you're reactionary. I get it. The Suns did not look good during that five-game stretch. They got blown out a couple times, including that game at Boston. The the Houston game was just uh, gross to watch. So you tend to over-exaggerate. You know, this team's done. They They can't beat anybody. The Milwaukee Bucks are number two in the Eastern Conference. As you mentioned, they lost last night with their full complement of players by 41 points to Memphis. Uh, they recently also lost to Houston. These things happen in the NBA. It's very easy to say that about other teams. No, I don't. Yeah, you right? It's very hard to say it about your own team. Mm, yep. But the Suns it, have as many road losses this year as they did the entire season last year. Is that right? Wow. <laughs> but again... Regular season basketball. It's more important than DeAndre Ayton says it is. <laughs> but it, but, somewhere in the middle. Right, somewhere in the middle. Right? Not, not the trophy, but not DeAndre Ayton. Right, yeah. right exactly. Going yeah. back to the subject of Clipper fans, uh-huh. the one true blue Clipper fan that they have is Clipper Daryl. You're familiar with Clipper Daryl, right? Yeah. Did you see the story about him? No. He got laid out by a security guard. At Crypto.com Arena, at a Clippers game, in the, in the bowels of the arena, TMZ had footage of it. I There was no audio. I don't know what the argument was about. But Clipper Daryl apparently said something that did not sit well with the security guard, and one punch laid him out. And immediately got fired, apparently, but done. Also, this this that's from, not good to fill that wall of fans at the new place. If no, you're decking the guy, the fans you already have. <laughs> that's right. On on uh, the Suns, Mark J. Spears uh, said Phoenix Suns uh, guard Chris Paul is gifting every Winston Salem State University graduate twenty five hundred dollars. Is it twenty five hundred dollars? Oh, yeah. wow! I the New York Times report said one hundred, but wow. did he up the ante? Uh, this is, he just tweeted this out. I don't know. Maybe he that, has it wrong. But that's, that's sweet, that's quite sweet a, State Farm money. <laughs> that's oh, right. Man. That's super cool. Get those kids started. Man, I wish I would have enrolled in classes. How about it, right? You could use a $2,500 Christmas bonus right about now. <laughs> a Christopher bonus. Hey, Sean. Yeah, Christopher, <laughs> Christopher bonus. Miss bonus. Christopher yeah. Amazing. Chris Paul continues to be one of the most disliked players in the NBA nationally. And he does stuff like this. On the court, off the court, I guess is different. Yeah. There, are, you know, I, one of the things about Chris Paul that I thought was fascinating. Probably don't have time to get back into this now. It's it, when somebody said to him about, oh, you know, this this whole thing with the Suns. It all started in the bubble when it was just so great for you guys. He was like, wasn't great for me. I was the one who had to organize it, and there are a lot of people who didn't want to play. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was classic. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, he had a different, uh, different viewpoint well, from everybody yeah. else. Listen, there, there are people who think that Chris Paul and LeBron James kind of uh, 
kind of use their influence to to make sure uh, I don't know to make sure veteran dudes get most of the money in the NBA and there's younger dudes who aren't cool with that I don't know it's a thankless job is what I'm trying to say so yeah. why people would be hating on Chris Paul for doing something that was a thankless job I, I've never understood the Chris Paul hate I really don't well it's easier to complain than do the work yourself so that is true well, that well, is true apparently he tried to kill Jose Alvarado with a vicious elbow I in, heard. That, in that game last weekend <laughs> text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620 620 right now coming up next a closer look at the Cardinals opponent on Sunday the Denver Broncos in the playing out the string bowl uh, we'll be joined by Nate Jackson from our sister station in Denver 104.3 the fan next typically a Murata mornings here on Arizona sports the local sports leader Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Souls, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Can you feel the anticipation? The 3 and 10 Denver Broncos hosting the 4 and 9 Arizona Cardinals at whatever they're calling the stadium at Mile High these days. But here to give us a look at the uh, Denver Broncos in closer detail from our sister station, 104.3 The Fan in Denver, one of the hosts of the Players Club. Nate Jackson joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Nate, good morning. Are you feeling the anticipation? Yeah, it's an exciting matchup, guys. Uh, the prospect of Brett Rippon and Colt McCoy has got us really pumped up here. But you know what? It's in power field now. In power field, ah. not Mile High. So it's going to be rocking. Because it was like Sports Authority at one point. It was Invesco at one point. I can't keep track yeah. of all the corporate sponsorship, Nate. All right, so it's... Yeah, it switches, switches every couple of years. So, Nate, so, so uh, is that an update? Is Russell Wilson still questionable? Is he out? What's what's the deal with Russell? Yeah, it's really hard to tell. So he's been out there doing stuff. He's got his helmet on. He's running around doing drills. But I don't know if you guys saw the hit. I mean, the guy was out. Yeah. Um, he had a hematoma on the side of his head. Clearly... Uh, his eyes were open, but he there was nobody home. So I'm hoping they keep him uh, on the sideline this game. But you know, you know how it is. You, you you have pressure to get out there. Russell Wilson is. They see it as you know their golden boy. They're trying to find something with him. Last week they lost the game to the Chiefs, but he was able to actually get something going for the first time all season, uh, which he hasn't done. So I'm, I imagine he wants to build on that. I'm hoping the Broncos medical staff. Uh, puts the kibosh on it, but you know how it is, man. These guys, they, they push to get out there, they pass the concussion protocol, whatever that means, and they and they get out there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. What is the uh, what's the weather forecast? It's it's always dicey in December in Denver. What what are we looking at this weekend? Well, it's twenty degrees right now. Um, and so it's pretty chilly. I think it's going to be cold. I think it will be sunny, though. No snow. It'll probably, by game time, warm up a little bit. I, I imagine it's going to be in the low 40s. But then as the sun goes down towards the end of the game, it'll get cold again. So um, bring your hand warmers. Yeah. <laughs> Nate Jackson from 104.3 The Fan in Denver, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, we've dealt with it here in Arizona, Nate. I know you've dealt with it to a big degree in, in Denver as well. And that is... Preseason anticipation and expectation falling short in a, in a big, big way. I mean, at this point of the season, I, I don't want to throw my partner under the bus, but he picked <laughs> the Broncos to win the Super Bowl and Russell Wilson to no, win MVP. I did. So, I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, so no. He's feeling it, but he's not emotionally invested. Can can you kind of just gauge that fall off from expectation to reality and how hard it is in a city like Denver? 
Yeah, it's been really hard, I think, just because people are used to excellent football around here. You know, there's they've, they've got three Super Bowl trophies. They had John Elway. They had Peyton Manning. And the idea was, at least the last couple of years, is we are a quarterback away from being a really good football mm-hmm. team. Even though the team wasn't good, but the team was last in the AFC West last year. They fired their coach. They're bringing a, a new first-time head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. He's never done this before in his life. He brings in an offensive coordinator who's never done it, a defensive coordinator who's never done it, a special teams coordinator who has very little experience, and yet still the expectations were superable from a lot of people, not just you, because of Russell Wilson. So it was like the Russell Wilson factor really changed the way people viewed this season. I never really thought they were going to make a Super Bowl run, but I didn't think they would be this bad. And I think it's just been a really tough pill to swallow to watch not just the losses, but the offensive ineptitude that this team has shown, which has is historic. I mean, this is the worst offense since the 2000 Cleveland Browns who put up like 10 points a game. The Broncos, prior to last week, were putting up like 13 points a game. They had games where they didn't score a touchdown. I mean, through before last week, Russell Wilson had eight touchdowns through the air in like 12 games. Yeah. So it, it, it's just kind of... Uh, it, people are at a loss for why it's happening. The offense has looked really anemic. There's been a lot of injuries. Hackett passed off the play-calling duties to Clint Kubiak midseason. So there's been a lot of fits and starts, and people are just left scratching their heads. Yeah, it's interesting to me because from the outside, you wonder what if, if Russell Wilson is is sort of kind of falling down the mountain of his, of his prime and if physically if he can just move the way he used to. I'm wondering about internally because there's been so much speculation about his 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 never-ending positive nature, the let's roll or let's ride thing. Well, update us on that. What, what, what does this look and feel like with this guy at the helm in Denver? Yeah, so there's no way, you know, to, to deny his success. He was the fast, fastest quarterback ever to 100 wins. He's got a Super Bowl win. He went to another Super Bowl. Had 10 wins every single season except one in Seattle. So this guy's been a winner. But he came here, man, and it was very unusual the way the Broncos really rolled out the red carpet for him. Not only did they trade three players who were homegrown players who were, you know, liked on the team, they traded two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and then they signed him to a $245 million contract before he ever took a snap during the regular season. Okay, so that's unusual enough, but he also brought with him kind of a a performance team. He has an office in the facility, for example. He has his own quarterback coach in the facility. He has his own, like, mental coach in the facility, his own trainers, his own cooks and things like that, which I played in the NFL six years. That's incredibly unusual. What you want out of your quarterback, and all I know in the media, the quarterback is is the guy. But on the floor, in, in the locker room, the quarterback has to be one of the guys. If he's not, if he's put on a pedestal, the balance is askew, and it shows up on game day. And I think these guys have had a hard time getting to know Russell Wilson. You talk about the cliches and the let's ride and really not getting to know him as a person, as a human being, and everything's always great, and I've been through this, and I'll come out, you know, I'll do it again, and it's going to be fine. And really, um, his teammates need to get to know him. You know, these guys haven't spent enough time together. Mm-hmm. And to me, you got to strip away that performance team and get back to basics and maybe – just maybe this is the best thing that could have happened for the longevity of the Broncos and Russell Wilson. It not working out on year one because if, let's face it, if he would have brought in his performance team of ten people and they go and win the Super Bowl the first year, yeah. next year there'd be twenty people on his performance <laughs> team. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so maybe this is a humbling moment where they can get back to basics. It, and also, it's not just Russell Wilson. So Nathaniel Hackett, the way he has chosen to attack this season. Um, 
uh, training camp, for example, the starters, I mean, we were out there every day. It was a patty cake every day. They didn't hit. They didn't practice hard. They took one day hard, one day off, basically, and did a walkthrough. It was just so unusual for the former players watching this training camp. It was a very soft camp. Not a lot of reps. Not a lot of full-speed stuff. Didn't play the starters at all in preseason because of what he learned in Green Bay. He wants to keep them fresh for the back half of the season. Well, they have the most guys in the league on injured reserve. So that back, you know, backfired as well. So there's, it's not just Russell, but I think the idea that Russell alone could do it hasn't worked at all, and so they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, uh, Nate Jackson from 104.3 The Fan in Denver, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. What you just described about the whole camp thing, it, it fits to a T what happened in Arizona this this year, and that's with really? a, a fourth-year head coach. So, uh, Speaking of coaching, Nathaniel Hackett's future, not only have the results been bad, you mentioned some of those things, lack of physicality, all of those things, but Nathaniel Hackett at certain times and a lot of times during the season, as you well know, Nate, has looked lost. When you consider all of those things, plus the new ownership uh, group in place. Is Nathaniel Hackett still coaching for his job, or do you think uh, it's fait accompli that he's going to be shown the door? I personally believe if they can show some marked improvement these last four games, maybe win two or three of them, put up some numbers offensively, clean up the sloppy play, that he may have a chance. Just because... I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of coaches in the history of the NFL that had really, really bad first seasons and went on to be Hall of Fame type of coaches. You know, Bill Belichick had a couple of losing seasons to start off. He had actually five of his first six seasons were losing seasons, mm-hmm. and, and he still hung around. Tom Landry went 0 and 11 and one, or one and 11. You know, some of these guys start poorly, but you see enough towards the end of the season to keep them around. Bill Walsh was two and fourteen his first season, six and ten his second season. Kyle Shanahan had two losing seasons before he got on track. So there is a precedent for letting the guy figure it out, but just the product has to show some promise. Sure. And Nathaniel Hackett, for example, the Broncos lead the league in penalties, and so that's something where you're like, okay, you know, they're losing games, but they're losing them in very sloppy ways. And halfway, you know, a couple games into the season where. Nathaniel Hackett was making some bad decisions. They brought in a, a guy to kind of help him make decisions. Jerry Rossberg, who's like this NFL, you know, uh, journeyman coach guy, who now sits up in the press box and talks to Nathaniel Hackett during the game and kind of talks him out of doing stupid things. That doesn't bode well for his future, right? But at the same time, the owners just got here. George Payton, the general manager, has only been here for a year and a half. Maybe they want to let it play out another yeah. year. I'm not sure. But the drumbeat is pretty loud here for him to get canned. Yeah, Nate, great stuff, man. Thank really you, appreciate you spending some time with us. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Nate Jackson, 104.3 The Fan in Denver, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the personal uh, quarterback coach that's on premises with Russell Wilson, Jake Heaps, another former Sister station talk show host. He was up in Seattle. Wow. Yeah, but now, I did not know that Russell Wilson has, has a performance an office, and an office, an office in the building. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's really relatable with the rest of the football team. <laughs> totally. Oh man, wasn't it the, like the Jake and Stacy show? Something. Yes, like that? yes, it was. We uh, can also become quarterback coaches. We can. Uh, <laughs> he's got a little bit of experience. Coming up next, uh, Bick's going to get his wish this weekend—a snow game in the NFL—and it's got some big <laughs> ramifications too. We'll get into that. It's more NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata, presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Murray setting up, looking deep, now takes off, running the right at the 35, at the 40, and dives to about the 44-yard line, a gain of three, and then an injured Cardinal. It's Kyler who went down very awkwardly that time as he tried to cut. Oh, no. Nothing's easy. Nothing's fun. Season spiraling down the drain. No more playoffs. Chances done. At least there's Kyler in the game. For no reason. Wasn't sacked. There ain't nothing that he could do. Going down. Non-contact. Next thing you know, his season's through. He's got a torn ACL. Torn ACL. Torn ACL. He's got a torn ACL. Torn ACL. So that's obviously unfortunate and uh, tough to see. And talking to him last night, um, yeah, it was a tough night. He's got a torn ACL. Torn ACL. Torn ACL. He's got a torn ACL. Empathetic. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I am. I'm astounded at at you. The fact that you took on a Bon Scott ACDC song and actually stayed in key. I'm stunned. What key was that? I'm not sure. <laughs> Rusty. The key of <laughs> Rusty key. Yeah, the key that, of Jared Carlin. Well, you're lucky Rusty key. That, that last. The last line, I tried to do the whole song like that because I tried to <laughs> I tried to really emulate the ACDC sound, and it was even for me it was unlistenable. Yeah. So I, I gave you a little. Hey, break it's there. a bold choice to, to, yeah. to tackle vo- vocally tackle Bon Scott ACDC. You. you have to be really confident or really unaware. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag why not both. <laughs> You know what they say, Jared? Fortune favors the bold. As long as you're not Matt Damon selling crypto. <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whoops. Yeah. I'm surprised it's still a crypto.com arena in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, yeah to same, them for making it same. a song. So, so Ferret, uh, <laughs> when you came up with this song title, did you just, did you go, Torn ACL is going to be, my, and then it like dawned on you to do Highway to Hell? Is yes, that what happened? I was trying to find something that, Went with ACL, Highway to Hell. So I gotcha. That, that was my. It was going to be about the injury. So <laughs> that was actually good. I was looking at other Hell good. songs, and that was I'm trying to think of what else could qualify. Now. They have another one, Hell's Bells, but it didn't. The, the rhyme pattern didn't work. Right. Somebody just tweeted. Uh, why did my coworker, co-worker just throw the radio against the wall? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Well, no, I can't help you there. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. The musical anyway. stylings of Jared Carlin, everybody. Uh, week 15 in the NFL is here. We'll get uh, Cardinals, <laughs> Broncos, uh, without Kyler Murray, because he, he's got a talk! <laughs> <laughs> uh, other games of note this weekend, Buffalo, Miami, uh, I'm still fascinated by the Mike McDaniel tact and the Tua Tungavailoa tact. I, they're playing, they're playing head games with themselves mm-hmm. to not consider how cold 
and how much of a factor the weather will be in Buffalo. Uh, that's tomorrow night, Saturday night. So you got a 8.15 Buffalo start time in December where snow is in the forecast yeah. and a team from Miami going up there. That could turn ugly. I, I guess I appreciate that's that's the stance they're taking going yeah. into a snow game, but it seems kind of desperate right now. Yeah, to Col- not acknowledge. Colin Coward had an interesting take on this game. He he basically compared Tua to Tim Tebow, and not, and not just because of the alliteration in their first and last names, but basically a guy that that had one real hot streak in the NFL that was largely a mirage. And we're going to find out whether Tua is a mirage this sun this Saturday. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was an interesting take, and and it's this is going to be a big test for that football team because. It, it, as as he pointed out, the five the five game winning streak that Tua authored did not come against good teams or good defenses. True. This is Buffalo. This is in their element. This is in their stadium, and the idea. Listen, I I remember Vince Tobin famously said, "I'm not I'm not going to worry about the noise in the Metrodome. I'm not going to import crowd noise in a practice. What do I want to do that for? Just get a headache? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so to me, it's kind of. It's kind of along those lines. I don't know what to expect from this Dolphins game, but there's a lot of people who just who think that, that the Dolphins are going to get pummeled. I'm it's one a credibility of those test for them. Uh, Tampa Bay is at home this week against Cincinnati. The Bucks still the division leaders in the woeful NFC South. But earlier in the week, I mentioned to you, Bick, the, the Mike Silver report in the San Francisco Chronicle that talked about what Tom Brady does uh, in this report. He said the night after the meetings... Uh, Tom Brady will make changes to the game plan without any influence from the coaching staff, whether it's Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator. Uh, so this was out there. Tom Brady was asked about it yesterday, uh, asked if it was true. His, his answer, no, I have no idea. I mean, anybody can write anything and say whatever they want. So, no, I'm not going to respond to every next question. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um there's still a lot of speculation on Tom Brady's future, too. Will it be in New England next year? Will it be in San Francisco next year? Will he go back to to Tampa Bay? Will he go to New Orleans with Sean Payton? Yeah, uh, that, that's a possibility. I think everything's on the table. But uh, one thing that uh, Albert Breer said was, yeah, he's just not the same Tom Brady. Finally, age looking like it's catching up with him. There was a long stretch of his career where he could almost be Mr. Fix-It out there. You know, you got a little less of a receiver, he'll put the ball in tight spots for you. You got a little less in the line, he'll get rid of the ball quicker. Um, you got a little less on defense, he'll outscore the other team. I, for the longest time, he was he was able to kind of be like this human spackle where like whatever hole you had, you know, he could fix it. And you know, I, I, it's just not that anymore, you know, but still a really good player. And I think what we're seeing is when things are right around him, um, then he can still make it work. It's just things haven't been right around him this year. That offensive line has, you know, been a mess. Um, they, you know, turned over the entire interior of the O line, and um, their left tackle Donovan Smith hasn't played very well. They've had injuries at receiver, um, you know. So, and then I, I think you can certainly question the play calling, which I think Brady's been frustrated with that. Yeah, he's been frustrated with a lot, throwing tablets, throwing tantrums. Talked to even talked about that this week. Yeah, I could be a pretty poor sport when things don't go my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's and in a weird and I know you'll agree with this. It's been kind of satisfying to watch from from afar. 
when yes, things go I, your way for so long and they don't go your way right. because just because you know you're you're repeating the same things, it, it's kind of satisfying. Yeah, well, it, yes, I do admit a perverse level of enjoyment <laughs> watching him fail. I do admit that. Um, this is, but this is really going to be it. That the the Buccaneers have had a couple of uh, miraculous reprieves, in my opinion, uh, winning games at the end, games that they did not deserve to win, largely due to Tom Brady. Uh, this this week against the Bengals, the Bengals have kind of got something going now, mm-hmm. and and Joe Burrow has kind of got something going now. This might be effectively be the end. But then again, they're in a division where who knows what yeah, record is yeah. going to win they you that division. They might get a home playoff game. They lose yeah. this week, they'll get still be in first playoff. place. Yeah. The NFL needs to change that, in my opinion, right? E- even though the Cardinals benefited from this very thing, right? I, I get that winning a division is an achievement, well, but at least you, the Cardinals you had a winning record when you know that, right. They, they, right they were at least nine and seven. That's right. Maybe maybe that's what the rule should be. You do not get to host a home playoff game if you win the division with the losing overall record. Yeah, but you're going to run into that with these four team divisions a lot. Quote: I always wondered what a constipated Neil Diamond would sound like singing "Highway to Hell." <laughs> now, thanks to Jared GC, I now know. <laughs> Have you ever gotten constipated Neil Diamond no, before? I mean, I, is that a new one? No, but I give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, is that what you do? <laughs> yes, he does. Join Bud Quote, Light this Sunday. I am currently in a ditch after rolling over. Send medical to my location. Stat. Don't know what happened. Was listening to Bickley and Murata and a song came on. That was the last I remember. <laughs> Good job, Jared. Uh, Join Bud Light this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Broncos. Great prizes, ticket giveaways, food specials all game long. It's going down at Philly Sports Bar and Grill on Warner Road in the I-10. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com if you want to get more information. Coming up next, Sarah guides us through some social studies on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.